My name is Elle, and I'm a transgender woman talking about hormone replacement therapy. I want to say thank you once again for joining me on the program. Each week, I talk into the microphone, and I hopefully present uh, inspiration, encouragement uh, to my trans siblings out there in the world, uh, but also just life uh, perspective from someone who's uh, lived a little bit. Um, I am a pre-licensed psychotherapist, and I work at an LGBTQ center in California, and it's my great privilege to get to talk with you. <clears throat> Every week, uh, folks send me emails, and uh, some of those emails include questions, and uh, one of the questions that I've received from a few different people was uh, about hormone replacement therapy. Uh, and what the experience uh, of being on hormone uh, replacement therapy has been like for me. Um, now, uh, this is uh, a pretty personal question. <laughs> uh, it has to do, obviously, with medical treatment. So um, I, I've been pretty personal on the show as, uh, as a general rule, but this may be uh, one of the more personal ones yet. Um. But I want to share uh, just some of these observations, and hopefully they're helpful, and hopefully they're not too vague, uh, but also hopefully I uh, don't look back and feel like I have overshared. <laughs> so if you're unfamiliar with HRT, or hormone replacement therapy, it's a, a type of medical treatment that involves... Uh, usually either testosterone, if you're wishing to experience masculinization, uh, or estrogen and or progesterone, uh, if you're wishing to experience uh, feminization. Now, um, hormone therapy has been around for a very, very long time. It's been used amongst trans people for around 100 years, maybe more, um, but it's been used amongst and primarily uh, for cisgender people uh, for a variety of um, issues, whether uh, that is, um, you know, low testosterone that uh, results in uh, negative effects to sex drive or um, counteracting the deeply unpleasant experience of menopause for women who are at the end of their um uh, reproductive uh, fertility cycle uh, as they go through aging. Um, it's used for lots of different things. There's lots of different medical treatments for uh, the use of HRT. Um, but for trans people, it's uh, a frequent, um, frequently used amongst us to help us with a physical bodily uh, transition. And um, there are uh, different procedures for getting access to hormone therapy, depending on where in the world you live. Um, there are some places in the world, like uh, California, where um, it's more or less uh, provided on an informed consent model, right? So as long as a person is able to consent for services and they are aware of and accepting of um you know, the risks associated with HRT, they're able to proceed with those treatments. 
Um, and frequently, uh, again, as in California, um, those uh, drugs are made available uh, through insurance, which is amazing. Um, I know that there are other places in the world where it's a lot more difficult to access. I know that I have trans siblings who are in the UK and who are uh, who utilize the NHS uh, for their medical treatment, and it can be years and years and years of waiting uh, just to get access to HRT. So it really, um, you know, there there is a wide variety. Um, in my case. Uh, it was a matter of speaking with my primary doctor. I, I'm a part of uh, Kaiser Permanente, and so I got a referral to uh, mental health, which is sort of uh, an older way. It's an older system, and so I had a uh, like an evaluation with uh, a therapist, and then they recommended me, uh, they gave me a referral uh, to uh, the transgender services program who gave me a referral to endocrinology. So uh, there you go. Um, but I've now been on hormone therapy for uh, it's over two years, um, probably close to two and a half years at this point. So I do have some lived experience, um, but definitely not as long as some other folks and certainly some folks who listen to the show. Um, so with today's program, I'm going to reflect a little bit on what the impacts have been on me, uh, especially emotionally. Um, and, you know, how has been being on hormone therapy affected my mind? Now, obviously, hormones, um, you know, affect our bodies in a variety of ways, whether that's through um you know, for trans feminine people, um, softening or smoothing of the skin. A lot of times people talk about a reduction in body hair, breast growth, fat redistribution, etc. Uh, but there's also emotional impacts. And that's what this episode is primarily going to focus on. Um, so one of the first observations has to do with um, sort of sorting out uh, the impacts of hormone replacement therapy um, as opposed to coming out itself. Um, I uh, came out of the closet at least to uh, my wife and, um, you know, some close family members probably six or eight months before I started hormone therapy. So there was a bit of a lead up. And what I noticed is that in that time, in that period, in between coming out and actually starting hormone therapy, I had and experienced a huge amount of emotional uh, catharsis. I'd never cried more in my whole life. Um, which is interesting because a lot of times people talk about how when you go on hormone therapy, um, you become more uh, emotionally available. Um, uh, emotions, uh, your sort of emotional palette expands. This is specifically for trans feminine people, that it becomes easier to emote, um, that we cry more often. And that um, was true for me. However, I started to experience a lot of those things uh, just from the relief of coming out. Um, and, uh, you know, my wife saw changes in me almost immediately where I went from this sort of state of emotional austerity and disassociation and repression to being able to 
express myself more fully. Now, I do think that some of that had to do with um, um, masculine or male gender roles, you know, um, not, uh, I mean, well, unlike, I mean, I think it's unique for both genders, uh, for, you know, men and women, which are the, you know, sort of the dominant uh, expected genders in American culture, like among the trans community, we know that there are more than just man and woman, but those are the main ones that people seem to be aware of. Um, there are rules and roles. And, and so for men, um, the emotions that are okay are, you know, being serious, uh, being angry, um, a little bit being silly, but not too silly. Um, but certainly not expressing, you know, sadness or fear would be the big ones. Um, and so, I certainly felt that as a closeted trans woman, and I really tried to play the role of man. And so I think that I squashed and squelched a lot of myself. And so when I started to come out of the closet, I felt more freedom uh, to be expressive um, for what was there. And so I started to see emotional changes happen uh, before I even got on hormone therapy. So that's one observation. Another observation was that I think that the finality of my decision to transition uh, was exemplified or realized in some way by um, taking uh, hormones, by starting hormones. And I think that I felt that finality um, emotionally. You know, it was a huge, huge relief. It had been this question in my mind and in my life for so many years. I had thought so much and so often about um, if or when or how or could I ever transition. Um, I had been through many different years in my life where I had sort of said, well, I'm just the kind of trans person that will never transition or I won't be able to transition. And so it was a huge mental shift for me to um, sort of make that finalizing decision of, yes, I am going to live my life as uh, as myself, which was a big turn away from a spirit of hopelessness, right? Um, and I think that, um, you know, sort of living in that state, uh, there was a lot of depression, and it's really, really common for um, trans people prior to transition to have a really high degree of depression where our emotions are blunted, where we feel hopeless, where we feel a low motivation. We have a lot of what's the use thinking. And um, I, uh, I think that that can just weigh heavy on us in the indecision or in the waiting or in the feeling trapped. And so taking that action, you know, putting the needle in my thigh, um, was very decisive. And it was sort of like, you know, uh, I had been in this holding pattern where it was sort of like shit or get off the pot kind of thing. And um, I went after it. I made it happen. And um, that kind of leads to uh, the third observation, which is I felt that depression lift uh, right away. Um, It didn't go away immediately. And I still had a lot of grieving to do. Um, And I've talked a lot about that grief process here on the program past episodes. But um, 
I definitely felt uh, my depression lift and I felt maybe one of the most pertinent things that I felt emotionally as I started hormone therapy and started going through transition was um, that especially that sense of hopelessness, that sense of trappedness uh, went away and I all of a sudden had uh, a greater sense of hope for the future. I was more forward leaning. Um, I felt more control um, and more agency over my own life. Um, it was really, really uh, incredible, honestly, to feel that depression lift. Now, um, in addition to that, I also experienced uh, some relief from dysphoria. Um, now, that was a slow process and is a slow process and is still uh, unfolding in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, there are lots of different ty- ki- uh, kinds of dysphoria, uh, as I've talked about on the show, you know, whether physical or social um, and so on. Um, I personally had a lot of physical dysphoria and still do, you know, where um, the uh, the person that I see in the mirror, the body that I see in the mirror, um, has not historically, to me, registered as a woman's body or a female body. Um, and so that's part of where dysphoria comes from, right? Because I see and feel myself as um, a woman or, and or uh, also see myself as you know, I had I wish that I had been born with a more female body or, you know, a female body uh, straight away. Um, and uh, um, and I didn't, you know, I was born with a body that was affected by testosterone. I was born with a body that uh, was bipenist. Um, and so uh, some of the impact um, of hormone therapy is to relieve that dysphoria, right? That, like I said, the skin softens, breast growth, um, less hair, less body hair, um, those kinds of things, fat, fat redistribution, um, those happen. And as we see those happen, our physical body dysphoria uh, resolves to some degree. Um, and that mental psychic pain uh, associated with dysphoria Um, is one of the positive impacts of being on hormone therapy. Um, You know, to look into the mirror and to see me just a little bit, to be a little less disgusted by my body, or even to like some aspects of what I see in the mirror, is a huge relief emotionally. And it feels uh, like joy. And, you know, a lot of the empirical research on hormone therapy and gender dysphoria, um, you know, bears this out. There's this uncanny connection between uh, a reduction in psychic suffering and being on hormone therapy. Um, And that's a really, a very real impact, um, that reduction of dysphoria. And Honestly, in terms of, you know, medical providers and insurance companies providing coverage for hormone therapy, that's the reason why, right? Hormone, uh, gender dysphoria is a, a medical reality. It's a condition that causes negative mental outcomes. And by taking this medicine, by being on this treatment plan, 
uh, for the overwhelming majority of trans people, it relieves those symptoms of dysphoria. It doesn't fix everything. It doesn't make everything go away. It doesn't resolve every mental health problem, um, but it does a lot, and it is really, really helpful. Another mental impact that I experience being on hormone therapy has to do with emotional lability. Uh, I became more emotionally labile, um, and I've already kind of mentioned this. I cry more, and I cry more easily than I ever have in my life, and indeed, some of that started with coming out, but it has only continued uh, while being on hormone therapy. Um, I also, I think that I experience um, just emotions in general more deeply, and I think that I experience, um, to some degree, uh, more colors of the emotional palette. Now, you know, again, it's hard to dice out what degree is it, um, you know, does this have to do with coming out and unlearning gender roles um, and versus the hormones themselves? I don't totally know. Um, but I do know that I experience my emotions uh, more bodily than I had in the past. And so I'm, I'm much more able to identify where in my body that I feel emotional states. Um, and I, so it's not just through crying, it's also through, you know, physical pain or different sensations in different parts of my body, whether it's from fear or joy or sadness or shame or whatever. Um, so I, I do feel like there has been an increase in my overall emotional palate. Um, another impact of hormone therapy has had uh, has been on uh, sex drive. Um, my uh, sexual orientation has not changed, uh, as and I understand that for most trans people, uh, there isn't a change or an unveiling. Um, in their uh, sexual orienta orientation, although it does happen where, you know, trans women go on hormones, uh, they go on estrogen, and they had only ever been attracted to women, and all of a sudden they find themselves attracted to men. It does happen. Um, for me, that did not happen at all. Um, but, you know, so this is the first mention that I'm going to do of anti-androgens. So, for trans women, frequently what happens is we get pre prescribed some kind of anti-androgen. Um, the, the oldest and most common is spironolactone, but there are some other uh, newer medications out there that are sometimes prescribed, but spiro is cheap. Um, I believe that it was originally developed as a water pill um, or, you know, for like high blood pressure. Um, but what we found is that it binds to testosterone receptors. Um, and so overall testosterone levels may appear to look the same, um, but our body's ability to absorb testosterone when we're on spiral neurolactone goes way down. Um, and uh, the other thing that goes way down with uh, that particular anti-androgen is your sex drive. So uh, my sex drive or my orientation, I'm attracted to women, I've only ever been attracted to women, and in particular, I'm attracted to my wife, um, 
my sex drive, uh, my orientation did not change, but my sex drive definitely went down. It decreased uh, for some time. Now, uh, and that's not an uncommon impact of Spyro. Now, uh, one of the things that happens is a lot of times trans women will eventually add back in um, progesterone, which is another um, part of, uh, um, it's another hormone that's uh, in pretty higher quantities amongst uh, cisgender women and, um, you know, progesterone and, and uh, estrogen levels um, vary throughout a cisgender woman's uh, menstrual cycle. Um, but it's there. Uh, and so a lot of times trans women will go on uh, progesterone at some point in their transition. And what a lot of us experience when we go on progesterone is that our sex drive normalizes again um, and it comes back. And I certainly have experienced that myself. So um, if you were to go anyway, I, those were very real uh, impacts, mental impacts for me. Uh, a, a falling off the cliff of sex drive and then a return. Um, now, like I said, with Spyro, I was on it for, I don't know, quite a while. Um, I have not talked much about uh, surgeries on this program, but I will say that I uh, no longer need an anti-androgen. <clears throat> uh, I no longer need spironolactone, so I no, am no longer on it. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that because uh, Spyro had uh, negative side effects that I did not like. And so I'm grateful that I don't take it anymore. And I feel like in a lot of ways, uh, the mental impacts of hormone replacement therapy are most readily seen um, in uh, the the side effects of the spironolactone and less so in the impacts of progesterone or estrogen. Um, some of the impacts that I experienced while I was on Spyro included uh, brain fog, just feeling like it was hard to think, hard to focus. Um, it was kind of like ADD brain a little bit. Um, I frequently felt uh, fatigued. I was taking a lot of naps. Um, in fact, for the year or so that I was on Spyro, or a year and a half, I can't remember how long I was on it, um, I took a nap almost every single afternoon. Um, you uh, pee a lot uh, when you're on Spyro, so if you have any kind of underlying you know, bladder challenges, um, Spyro is going to just um, increase those uh, all the more. Um, but if you didn't have, you know, like overactive bladder symptoms before you start Spyro, you certainly will have some when you're on Spyro. You just, you pee all, uh, you, you pee all the time when you're on Spyro. So, and I suppose that a person could have um, mental feelings about that. It could be annoying, it could be exhausting, it could be frustrating. Um, you know, it just, it could be stress inducing, all kinds of stuff. So uh, another impact that I experienced with uh, hormone replacement therapy was um, a little bit of an increase in anxiety. Um, and not, you know, not like crazy blown away so, but... I found myself asking the question a lot while I was on, you know, when I first went on, and even still now is, is it working? 
because it's slow, you guys. It's so, so slow. And it's slow for everyone. You know, if you're cisgender and you go through puberty, you start puberty when you're at, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. And we don't reach, you know, physical sexual maturity until we're 18, 19, 20, you know. So it can be five or six years of a process. And so, you know, why would second puberty be any faster, but somehow we expect to have all these changes as trans people within six months or a year or whatever. And so I I did feel some increase in anxiety. Is it working? When will it work? How much will it work? What if, what if this, what if that, what if the other thing, what if I, you know... Uh, There is some increased risk in breast cancer amongst trans women. What if I, you know, um, but at the same time, there's a, you know, a complete bottoming out of risk for prostate cancer uh, for trans women. So, you know, probably equals itself out. But there's a lot of what ifs, you know, what if there are problems down the road, blah, blah, blah. Uh, What if my doctor isn't doing a, a good job? What if they're not dosing me right? Um... I've had some anxiety come up about, you know, will these drugs be available to me long term? You know, we have politicians who are actively trying to outlaw uh, gender transition and medical transition in particular. Um, you know, what would happen if I was forced to uh, remasculinize? Um, all kinds of stuff, you know, the unknowns. So, I, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say that I had some increase of anxiety. But the truth is that the benefits far outweigh the negatives, right? So I would so much, I would many, many, many times over accept uh, the reality that I'm living in now, which includes some anxiety, I would much take that over the reality that I was living in before, full of dysphoria and dissociation. Um, But that has been an impact that has come along for me. And uh, it's part of the reason why I wanted to make changes to my body so that it no longer produces testosterone. It was sort of like uh, future-proofing a little bit. So, uh uh again... Um, another impact that I felt uh, through starting hormone therapy, like mental health impact, was a sense of belonging in a lot of ways, a sense of camaraderie. Uh, being a trans woman, uh, I did not share a lot of that camaraderie or, you know, shared experiences or shared sense of belonging with um, cisgender women and other women. And uh, the truth is that there are uh, physical body bodily realities that come along with hormone therapy. And, um, you know, sharing some of those experiences with my cisgender sisters has felt um, good. It just feels good to belong a little tiny bit. Um, now, I, you know, there are many experiences of... Um, you know, being a cis woman that I will never have. Uh, And um, many of those are negative experiences, and I won't have them. And, you know, I've talked a little bit on the show about how this, there's sort of a weird sense of longing, because there are, um, you know, negative, painful experiences that that women go through, um, that it sort of feels Uh, It might feel insulting or arbitrary for some, you know, trans woman to say, well, I wish I could suffer in that way because it, you know, it doesn't make sense. 
Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that like, it feels good to know that I have some degree of similar bodily experiences, uh, having, uh, being, you know, like living in a body whose dominant hormone is estrogen and progesterone. Uh, another one, uh, I feel seen. I feel heard. I feel validated. I feel understood. Um, you know, having gone to the medical professionals in my life and my therapist in my life and say, Hey, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I think it might be. And hearing them like, uh, ask a bunch of questions, to listen to my story, uh, to validate uh, my own feelings, and then to be prescribed these medicines that have helped me so much, and to have them paid for by insurance, it's validating. It's like, you know, as trans people, we live uh, under this veil of cultural gaslighting, where the world, you know, many of the people who we live around and among tell us that we're crazy or that we're sick um, or that we're nuts or that, you know, we don't deserve to exist or that we're fake. And, you know, it's a little bit crazy making, right? And so to have um, my medical providers say, no, no, you're not crazy at all. This is something that people go through. And we actually know what to do about it. And we know how to help you make you feel better. And it's worked. Um, it just, it's it's very, it feels very empowering and validating of my own experience and my own, um, what I've seen and felt in my own body. And it helps, to, helps me to trust myself more uh, in the future going forward. Um, now, a couple of anecdotes here at the end. Um, I remember going uh, to, so my appointment to see the endocrinologist, it was still during COVID, um, and so it was a phone appointment, um, and she prescribed me the medication and um, scheduled me for an appointment to come in to see a nurse to get trained on how to do injections. Um, I am not someone who is afraid of needles, and I liked the idea of having to only have this one thing to worry about once a week or once every other week. Um, and so I went into this uh, appointment and I met with the nurse who taught me how to give myself an injection. And at the time I was still practicing actively as a pastor and I was male presenting. And she asked me what I did and I uh, felt embarrassed to say that I was a um, uh you know, an evangelical uh, pastor in a fundamentalist denomination. Um, and she, um, and I, I just, I felt self-conscious, I guess, about that because uh, this course of action I knew was ultimately going to uh, get me fired, which it did. Um, and, you know, she, I just remember her being jolly and jovial and she was like, you do you, honey. Um, and it was just really sweet and I won't ever remember, I won't ever forget that moment. Um, I remember the first night that I took anti-androgens, which was a pill. Uh, I took the pill and I laid down in bed and, 
uh, I remember my wife saying, oh my God, I can see your boobs, uh, which was hilarious. We both started laughing <laughs> because it kind of plays on this like, is it working yet? Is it working? Do you feel different? Is it working? Because obviously it takes time and I won't forget that. Um, and then I also remember uh, going on vacation shortly after I started hormone therapy and sort of being obsessed because it was on vacation to a really warm place where there was a lot of swimming. And I remember having a lot of anxiety about people seeing my chest. And it's like, honey, you still don't have any boobs. Uh, it's been years. Uh, and there might not ever be any boobs. So, um, <laughs> And there definitely were not any after two months. So you just re need to relax, sister. Um, but I remember being all anxious about that. And I wore a swimming shirt the whole time. And I was trying to like, you know, be sneaky and play it safe and whatever. And like, fuck, nobody would have noticed. Um, so anyway, those are a couple of my stories. But anyway, uh, those are my observations about the mental impacts of hormone therapy. Um, I have uh, personally have experienced it as a absolute life-changing drug. And I'm so grateful to have... Um, been able to have access to it. Thank you so much for joining me on the program. I indeed am L, and I'm a transgender woman talking. And uh, I will continue to talk each week uh, on the program. If you are new to the show and just listening, please know that when you send me an email to the email address in the show notes, TWAT, transgender woman talking, uh, podcasting at gmail.com. Uh, I will reply. I will write back. I do have a bit of a backlog at the moment, but I write back to every single person. And I greatly value your constructive feedback, your suggestions, your questions, your ideas about the program. Um, and I love to know that you are out there. Um, you are loved. You're amazing. Um, I also greatly value your uh, five-star reviews, uh, your five-star ratings of the show. I got a new review this last week from uh, Zeta, um, who says, Community, thank you, L, for continuing your podcast as you went through school, training, and a new career. It means so much to hear, uh, to me, to hear other trans stories and how people are flourishing. It's important to balance the scary and sad realities that LGBTQ People are facing with the joys and triumphs our folks have as well. In times like this, I feel as though my queer joy is in its greatest, uh, my queer joy is in itself a protest to the patriarchy. We are not going anywhere, and I've decided that I am not buried. I'm planted, and it's time to grow. Hell, hell yeah. I am not buried. I am planted. And I'm growing. I so feel that. And yes, our queer joy is a protest, and it may be the greatest protest that is out there. Um, so keep shining, keep loving, keep being you. And uh, thanks for listening, uh, listening to the show. And thanks for writing your own reviews. Zeta, your review uh, on Apple Podcasts was amazing. And uh, I thank every single one of you for taking the effort and uh, making the time uh, to do it yourself. Um, I will be back uh, on the microphone again in another week. Uh, thank you for joining me uh, again. My name is L, and I'm a transgender woman 
talking.